What's up, everybody? Welcome inside the Clock Stops Football Podcast here on the iTunes Podcast Center. I'm your host, Brendan Baker. We will come to you every Sunday morning following the week of college football, and we will break it all down, analysis, stats, scores, what it all means. Everything from that week in college football will be here on the Clock Stops Football Podcast Every Sunday morning on the iTunes Podcast Center. Again, I am Brendan Baker, and I will be your host each week. We obviously have a lot to talk about this week, with yesterday being the first Saturday of college football. But before we dive in and get to the football, I urge you, if you're a college football, if you're a pro football, or just a general sports fan, to follow me on Twitter. I am at Brendan W. Baker. How to spell that will be in the description. So follow me. And if you tweet about sports, you tweet a lot about football, there is a very, very, very good chance that I will return the favor and follow you back. So please Help me out. Follow me on Twitter. The official handle is in the description. A lot of things to talk about again yesterday. The first college football Saturday of the year. I'm going to pose two questions to you. One now at the top of the show and then one at the end before we sign off. And that first question for the top of the show is, was what Oklahoma State and Oregon did yesterday, was that impressive or was it sad, embarrassing, and just a black eye for college football? Of course, Oklahoma State at one point in the week, they were 67-point favorites over Savannah State. They covered that spread, beating Savannah State 84 to nothing, and then Oregon playing Arkansas State and Gus Malzahn, they hung 50 in the first half. So was their performances impressive or downright embarrassing for college football? I say it's embarrassing. 84 points and 50 and a half, that's embarrassing, that's not impressive Drop a comment in the uh, below to tell me what you think, or you can hit me on Twitter and let me know him. Impressive or sad? So we have a couple games that I want to get into, starting first with the Friday night game between Boise State and Michigan State. There are high expectations in East Lansing for the Spartans this year, as many people have them as the Big Ten representative on January 1st in the Rose Bowl. And as Rod Gilmore said about a hundred times on the broadcast Friday, they showed you a Rose Bowl defense, but left something to be desired outside of Le'Veon Bell on the offensive side of the ball. Passing-wise, they did not show you a Rose Bowl offense Friday night, but they still squeaked by the Boise State Broncos, who were also starting a new quarterback in Joe Southwick. Now, the question is, is Michigan State still a team that should be, I don't want to say expected, but thought of by a lot of people to go to the Rose Bowl? And I say yes, because they have Le'Veon Bell lining up behind Andrew Maxwell, because they have a dominating, an imposing defensive line with Rush, and then the best defensive player in the country, Will Golson. What Michigan State has to do, they have to be like the Baltimore Ravens in the early 2000s when Trent Dilfer was the quarterback. They have to rely on their defense, they have to keep the scores low, they have to run the football. Their offense needs to be a lot of 10, 11, 12, 
12 play drives over four and five minutes, and they have to put points on the board. They're going to have to win a lot of games 14-10. They're going to have to win a lot of games 17-14. And what they absolutely 100% cannot do is do what they did Friday night. Turn the football over four times. Because you are already relying on your defense so much. So much of the load is being shouldered by that defense and by that defensive line. You are already asking them to make so many stops to keep teams out of the end zone. And then you turn the football over and you put your defense that is going to be exhausted late in games back on the football field. That is... Cannot happen. Your offense should be there to serve your defense, to give them a breather, and to not be sloppy and not turn the football over. So if Michigan State is going to the Rose Bowl on January 1st, it's going to be because of their defense, it's going to be because of Le'Veon Bell, and it's going to be because the offense did not turn the football over four times like they did Friday night against Boise State. I know they got the win, but... You won't be so fortunate in Big Ten play. Remember, Boise was starting a new quarterback as well in Joe Southwick. You turn the football over four times, you're going to have a hard time getting through the Big Ten schedule and getting to the Big Ten championship game, let alone getting to the Rose Bowl on January 1st. So that was one of the games that I enjoyed watching, and I had a few thoughts from. Another game was the Ohio-Penn State game. Obviously, this was a game that was circled on the calendar. It was on the minds of college football fans, and I think just people in general. I think a lot of college, non-college football fans were interested in this game. I'm not saying that they sat there and watched all 60 minutes, but I'm sure some non-college football fans or some very casual college football fans who otherwise wouldn't sit down at 12 o'clock on a Saturday and put on a college football game did because they wanted to see at least maybe the first couple minutes, see uh, see Penn State run out of the tunnel, see the reaction from the crowd, just see the mood of, of Happy Valley. As a college football fan, I was intrigued by this game because I wanted to see how Penn State did on the football field between the numbers, between the hash marks, between those 109 yards. How did they do football-wise? How did Bill O'Brien do, especially with that offense? And he did very well with that offense. Matt McGloin, 27 for 48, 260 yards. He had well over 100 in the first half. Two passing touchdowns, but he did throw an interception. So offensively, the Bill O'Brien era got off to a good start in Happy Valley. The defense was where the game was lost for Penn State. They blew a 14-3 halftime lead, and they allowed a good quarterback, by the way, in Tyler Tettleton. Don't think that Tyler Tettleton came out of nowhere. Tettleton's a solid, a good quarterback, especially in the... Mac Conference, 31 of 41, 324 yards. He threw two touchdowns and he ran for a touchdown. And here was the big stat that jumped out to me as I was looking over this box score. He averaged 7.9 yards per pass. That can't happen if you're the Penn State defense because if they throw the ball on first and 10 for 7.9 yards, they've got themselves a manageable, very manageable second and two. Second and 10, they throw the ball. They've got themselves a third and two. Give it to your halfback, and he's got a first down. 
So you, that cannot be allowed by Penn State, and you can't blow 11-point halftime leads. So it's a disappointing loss in that sense that Penn State was up 11 at halftime, but it's not a disappointing loss because of who they lost to. I heard people say, oh, they lost to Ohio. That's terrible. No, it's not. Ohio was 10-4 and last year. And, as I mentioned, they have a solid quarterback in Tyler Tettleton. It's a disappointing loss because they blew an 11-point halftime lead, but it is not a disappointing loss because they lost to an Ohio team. Ohio won 10 games last year. Our next game is Alabama-Michigan. Not a lot to say in a 41-14 score. Alabama dominated in this game. They just they were just bigger, they were just faster, they were just overall, they were better than Michigan on this night. They routinely won the battle up front, and what Alabama did to Michigan was they took Denard Robinson, and they made him look so uncomfortable. They didn't make him look like one of the top offensive threats in all of college football, and that's what Alabama does. That's why Alabama's the number two team in the country, that's why they are the defending national champions, and that is why a lot of people have them back in the national championship game this year. And I heard leading into this game, a lot of people said, well, Denard Robinson's a one-man show. Is the rest of Michigan going to step up enough for the Wolverines to beat the Crimson Tide? This game wasn't a question of would the rest of Michigan step up. Denar Robinson didn't even do his thing. And that is why Alabama is the number two team in the country. Because they don't allow, other teams might allow your best player to have his day and then shut you down the rest of the way and beat you because one guy can't win a football game. That's not what Alabama does. Alabama takes your best player, in this case Denard Robinson, makes him run scared makes him look so uncomfortable so that he can't even do his thing. And then you're completely shut down on the offensive side of the ball. That's why they have such an outstanding defense. And they wear you down. Over four quarters, over 60 minutes, they wear you down. And this game at 21 nothing, I changed the channel. Oh, by the way, Fitzgerald Toussaint, everybody made so much of the suspension. Fitzgerald Toussaint wouldn't have meant anything to this game so the score might have been 41 21 instead of 41 14 Alabama was too good for Michigan too too good so at 21 nothing after the Lacey touchdown I changed the channel and I went over to ESPN to Clemson and Auburn this was a great decision and I tweeted at one point please people stop putting yourselves through the Alabama Michigan game haven't you realized by now that Alabama is so much better on this night than Michigan is unless you're an Alabama or a Michigan fan turn the channel go over to Alabama Clemson this was a much much better game Played at the Georgia Dome, and the storyline in this game coming in was Taj Boyd's favorite target, Sammy Watkins, suspended two games at home, did not make the trip. Clemson, the rest of the team, picked up the slack. Running back Ellington, 26 carries, 231 yards, and Hopkins, the receiver, a school high, 13 receptions, 119 yards, 
and a touchdown. And this is a big win for Clemson. I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter. I went on the, the conversation on ESPN.com and I saw a lot of people and they said, oh, this is a great win for Clemson because they beat an SEC team. It's not a great win for Clemson because they beat an SEC team. An SEC team that, oh, by the way, comes into the season unranked with a new quarterback in Frazier. That's not why it's a good win for Clemson. It's a good win for Clemson because they did it without Taj Boyd's favorite target and because they got that sour taste of the beatdown that West Virginia put on them in the Orange Bowl last year out of their mouths. And some people said, oh, well, it was last year, so it doesn't matter. Because it was last year, it matters so much more. If they allowed 70 points to a team and got beaten down, just throttled like they did by West Virginia, they would it would be bad, yes, but they'd have only six or days, seven days to think about it, and then they'd be back out on the field. Because it happened in early January, they had month after month after month to think about it. During all those workouts, you were thinking about the fact, especially if you were on Clemson's defense, that you allowed 70 points. That's why it is so much worse than if it was a regular season loss with a game the next Saturday. So that is why, because they did it without Sammy Watkins and because they got that horrible taste of the beat down to West Virginia out of their mouths. It's a big win for Clemson. It's not a big win because they beat an unranked SEC team starting a new quarterback. That's not why. Well, that just about wraps it up for the Clock Stops Football podcast here on iTunes. My second question, remember, my first question was impressive versus sad what Oklahoma State and Oregon did yesterday. Oklahoma State scoring 83 points on Savannah State or Oregon scoring 50.5 on Arkansas State. That was our first question. Our second question that I will ask you to answer is, could this be the year of the running back? Le'Veon Bell, 44 carries, 210 rushing yards Friday night. Ellington from Clemson, 26 carries, 231 yards last night. Is this the year of the running back? I know one thing, this is the year of the Clock Stops football podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Brendan Baker. Follow me on Twitter.